Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Victoria, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 18th, 2012. We are reading from the big book, the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 27. That begins with the sentence, um, that begins with the sentence, yes, replied the doctor, there is. Although actually, because that paragraph ends with an asterisk, referring us once again to Appendix 2 on page 547, we will be begin there today, reading Spiritual Experience. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, our group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Margaret to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Margaret, recovered in New Jersey. Uh, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. 
Anne, would you please read the 12 traditions? Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, my name is Anne. I am a compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA un unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, for each group there should be should be autonomous, except in matters accepting, affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group will never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be brought and drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Anne. I would like to um, announce that the readers for today are Deb W., Marsha, Eddie, and Paula. And the share number for Monday, September 17th, is 3027. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no direct abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the big book on page 27 the paragraph which ends, yes, replied the doctor, there is. 
at the end of that paragraph, you'll notice there is another asterisk which signals us to return to the Appendix 2 on page 567 of the Big Book, which we will do at this time. Deb, would you please read Spiritual Experience from page 567. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision for you. Yes, it's my pleasure and honor to be here. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Appendix 2, uh, Spiritual Experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. <clears throat> Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James called the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a, of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He could only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Um, I would like to comment on this. This is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I just love how this is back here in the book, and we can go back and refer to it um, time and time again. Um <clears throat> You know, for most of us, for me, um, that's what I underwent. I, I underwent a spiritual awakening. Not to say that those spiritual experiences do happen today. They do. But for me, that's what took place in my life. Um, and I just love how it says um, in this italicized 
at the end, willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness. Those are the essentials for of recovery. Um, <clears throat> and I want to refer back to page 85. Um, once I realized who and what I was and how it is outlined here in the big book and how I can implement that into my life, um, it was just God, you know, the God of my understanding showed up time after time after time. As long as I stayed willing, as long as I stayed honest, you know, he can work with that. That's the, that's the beauty of this. But on page 85 it says, Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God-conscious, and that's what this is talking about um, in this uh, appendix. We are becoming God-conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense, but we must go further, and that means more action. And that's the whole point. You know, one through three, <clears throat> those are decision steps. And four through nine, those are action steps. You can't just sit on a step and decide, okay, I'm going to let God do this and, and not follow it up with action. It requires action. And that will happen. Your awakening will happen if you follow these steps in order and completely and thoroughly. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. Would anyone else like, like to, to comment on the spiritual experience appendix? This is Katie. Good morning, Katie. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive reader. And I love this uh, appendix because it, to me it's saying don't identify out. Uh, it doesn't matter if you haven't had the uh, negative or positive experience that you've read about so far because this program is for everyone. Um, not everyone ha goes to the bottom that um, Bill went to or the other people that we've read about, and not everybody you know, can say, yes, I was catapulted into the fourth dimension of existence. Who even knows what that means, really? But... Uh, this spiritual experience is available for all of us. And uh, just, you know, as the person before me just said, you know, you can't sit on the step. I mean, I just picture a little kid sitting on the step and, and you know, crying because he, he doesn't really know how to climb the steps. And we, um, you know, we go hand in hand together and we take this journey and we take this path and, uh, it, it is available for all of us. We don't have to be, um, you don't have to be smart. You know, we are, are people who do, would not ordinarily mix. I mean, I've had sponsors who were, uh, you know, completely different from me. But this um, program is for all of us. Uh, it says, happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. We do not have to... Uh, have the same experience that we hear about in other people, but there is an experience waiting for us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Would anyone else care to comment on what was read? Hi, this is Kim. Good morning, Kim. Go ahead. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. 
quite often friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life that such a change could have hardly been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished in years of self-discipline. And this is so my experience. You know, I was told I was recovered by a dear friend in program. And that's because I was in program 15 years. I had tried the stuff in all these different ways. You know, I had um, had long periods of abstinence and would pick up again. And when I finally surrendered to this process in the big book, in a few months, I accomplished what years of self-discipline could not have done. You know, what I found was I had to almost do less, not more, because I was always complicating the process. You know, my step four and five was 150 questions. I would tell a, a life story that I could have handed in as a dissertation course, you know, a college thesis. You know, six and seven, I, I tried to, to uh, think of every single, you know, demonstrative of, of a character defect. Eight and nine, I would rationalize why I can't do this one, why I can't do that one, I would write letters to people who I didn't want to face. You know, but when I truly surrendered to this process and did it as the big book told me to, I went from a recovering compulsive overeater to a recovered compulsive overeater. And that is so different. That is so different. So what it is, it's a profound alteration in my reaction to life. It's not just about being abstinent. It's not just about going to 20 meetings in 20 days. It is when I go out into the world, I react differently. I go into the world and I show love and tolerance for all. And my reaction is different. And I'm so glad that we're rereading this spiritual experience because this is the essence of the program. Spirituality is not a part of the 12-step program. Spirituality is the 12-step program. And I'm just here to say that it doesn't matter how long you've been here. If you've been here for 14 days or 14 years, if you surrender to this process, you can come to that place that's called recovered. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. This is Victoria, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and I would like to comment. The, um, at the beginning of my recovery, I thought I might have had an experience like Bill did because rather suddenly that obsession that had dogged me for more than four decades in my life was gone. I, what I never imagined would be possible was gone. That tortured, craving, obsession of the mind that I could never win over, that always won out. But in retrospect, I realized I didn't have the kind of experience Bill W. had because, as Kim was saying, my alteration of the re- my reaction to life had not yet been profoundly changed. Well, I did experience a power working in my life that was far beyond anything I could have brought about. That reaction to life, that change of heart, that entire psychic change was, was ahead of me. And it's taken, it's frankly taken some years to experience what this appendix calls 
God consciousness. In the beginning, I would experience some sense of that invisible, unnamed power um, when I would pray or sometimes when I would meditate. But what has happened over the last years in recovery is God consciousness, where I am aware of a presence being here now, which is invisible, unnamed, but very real, without being in a conscious state of prayer or without intentionally meditating. There is a second greater presence than me. And I thought, that's God consciousness. The God consciousness that is here and I can experience as I would another being. And by the time I became aware of, ex- of that presence in my life, hovering right there with me, uh, that profound reaction to change, to life had, had changed. And the most important aspect of it for me is a natural, instantaneous desire to be of service um, wherever I am that was not there before. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to comment on what was read? This is Janice. This is Catherine. Yes, Janice. Good morning, Janice. Go ahead, and then Catherine. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you very much. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, I find it very interesting that they would put this asterisk right here where we're talking about Roland Hazard and his conversation with Dr. Young. You know, and Dr. Young has told him, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic, and I have never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. You know, and remember, Roland Hazard felt the gates of hell clang shut on him with those kinds of statements from this doctor, who he had been working with for over a year, for over a year. But the doctor told him, that sometimes there were some people that seemed to have these vital spiritual experiences. And when they had those vital spiritual experiences, something changed in them, profoundly changed. And I've come to learn that that is the aim, the goal, the objective of this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that we're studying, is to give us those kinds of directions that brings us to that kind of vital spiritual experience. And the directions are here in the big book. And they tell us that this spiritual experience will be a personality change, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery for us. And that will happen to us, I believe, in the working of the 12 steps. And it happens when we work those steps as if our lives depend on it. We get that overwhelming God consciousness. And that God consciousness brings about this vast change in my outlook, in my thinking, in my perceptions of the world and those in it. People, places, and things began to look very differently to me. 
but I needed to have this kind of spiritual awakening that would happen as a result of working the 12 steps. And they're telling us that sometimes it happens slowly. Sometimes it happens slowly. You know, for Bill W., it was a profound change, and it happened to him very suddenly. But I believe for a lot of us, at least I include myself in that group, it came to me more slowly. It was of the educational variety because I had to learn each day more deeply, each day more profoundly, what that meant to rely on a God greater than myself, a higher power who would direct my thinking, a higher power who, when I surrendered, would bring about this aim, this goal, this objective, and allow me to live in a way I never thought was possible, rocketed into that fourth dimension. You know, and it's a beautiful thing to be promised that, isn't it? You know, most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. But most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience, can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. You know, I'm one of those compulsive overeaters who, thank God, did not close my mind, but opened my mind, because I was desperate, that desperate. This this illness, this disease of compulsive overeating had beaten me into a state of willingness to look and see things I had not been able to see before. So willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials, it says. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to comment on the spiritual experience appendix? Yes, this is Catherine. Yes, Catherine. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you all. I'm Catherine, a recovered compulsive overeater. It was so wonderful hearing this this uh, appendix this morning. And what came to, to my mind was the word self-imposed. On page 53 in the agnostics, we're told that when we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? In working the steps, we're, we're told that we, have to, we come to believe a power greater than ourselves. As we work the steps, we hear that when agitated or doubtful, we pause. We ask God for his direction. And um, so going back to these words, a self-imposed crisis, we, we start to hear about you know, these, these things that we've done to ourselves. We used our mind. Um, our faith was lacking. And uh, further on, on the, on the page 53, some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. This is, this is a um, journey that we're on. And I like those words, the bridge of reason, toward the desired shore of faith, the spiritual experience that we go through um, is, is what we need to strive for. It's putting the food down, clearing our mind, 
having some clarity, honestly looking at our relationships. And the most important one, one, of course, is with our higher power. And surrendering, coming out of denial, and working the steps on that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Anyone else like to share on what was read? All right, let's move on to the next paragraph on page 27, which is the last paragraph on that page, beginning with Upon Hearing. Marsha, would you read, please? Certainly. Good morning. This is Marsha, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. I'll stop there. I think this is really important. Um, It it distinguishes the difference between spirituality and religious convictions. Um, Because I I could go to church or synagogue or temple or anything and sit there in the pew and not have a lick of spirituality in my body. And uh, so just going to a religious house and, and, and listening to sermons was not enough to bring about the spiritual, uh, vital spiritual experience I needed to stop compulsive eating. Um, and I look in the dictionary and see what vital means. Vital means of or characteristic of life, necessary to the continuation of life, life-sustaining. Uh, this is it. The spirituality that I needed was something that was going to sustain me and and help me get through the day uh, in a, in a way that that I never could have gotten through before. Uh, I, I lived my life in resentments and fears and 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 longing for for things that I I wanted and I I I, I never could get. And now my life is is so different because. Uh, it, it is, as the book says, indescribably wonderful. I, I live more serenely, more at peace with my coworkers, more at peace with my family, uh, more at peace with what life throws at me. I can sit in a room where people are arguing with each other and be completely serene. Um, I, I can have uh, a disagreement with somebody and be okay with the fact that we disagree with each other. I don't take it personally. I don't resent them. Um, I have my occasional moments of being human, but I have a sponsor, and she helps me figure out what it was about that situation that uh, that caused me to uh, I, I did my a ten step or ten step on it and, and figure out what the heck happened. And um, this is what this is this is the spiritual experience. This is the God consciousness. This is the thing that what my sponsor calls it. First, we experience the death of food, and this is part of experiencing the death of the old Marsha, the old, the old person who did things in a way that, that, that were self-destructive, and the new Marsha who lives a life where I try and do what my higher power wants me to do. And that is the vital spiritual experience that I needed to help me to live life without turning to the food. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Marsha. Would anyone care to comment on what was just read? It's Monica. 
Yes, Monica. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And here in this uh, paragraph, it's um, upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved. Well, we're talking, we're still talking about Roland Hazard here. And in the prior paragraph, um, Dr. Young tells him that the only thing that's going to work for him that he has seen happen once in a while is a spiritual experience. And here, Roland is thinking, well, that's good, that's good, I'm, I'm religious, I'm religious. But once again here, thank you that Dr. Young was a really, really honest with Roland Hazard. You know, he's been blunt honest with this guy. And now, once again, he's being honest with himself. And he's saying, well, yeah, but if your religious convictions were enough, they weren't enough because you're not recovered. You're not, they hasn't worked for you. There's more you need to do. And that was, that was a good thing. And it says on page 93, um, he says, well, well, at first it says, this hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. And even though he had religious convictions and he had faith, it hadn't been enough. And on page 93 in the third paragraph, it says a little bit further here, to be vital which is life-sustaining. Faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish construction action. And I relate to this. I had religious convictions that hadn't done it for me either. And what made the difference was picking up the spiritual tools, the steps, and working the steps self-sacrifice, unselfishness, construction action, taking that pen to paper, writing out that thorough fourth step inventory, giving it away in five. Doing the steps is what brought this spiritual awakening about to me. And like the big book is saying to us in the spiritual experience that was just read, for the majority of us, this is going to be an educational variety. It's a slow process. You get little light bulb moments here and there along the way. And that's okay. You know, we're on this road together. Um, it, it, You know, I would have loved to have been bonked over the head with a hammer like, you know, by the God hammer like Bill was. But for majority of us, it's going to be a slow process. And if you work the steps, it will happen. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to comment on the paragraph that was just read? Star one to unmute if you would like to comment. This is Larry. Yes, Larry. Go ahead, please. 
Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Larry. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I like this. I like the <clears throat> the parallel with this, with just program in general as well. I mean, I'm reminded that this program for me uh, is all about having a spiritual awakening, that personality change sufficient to arrest this disease. For me, going to meetings, picking up the various tools, I can go through various motions, which I've done for years at times, and and, and just look for sort of, you know, for me, kind of the magic that would arrest this disease. And, and then just being, you know, horribly frustrated that I wasn't able to do that. And the thing is, is what I recognize today is the program is not a, it's not, you know, a diet and support group. It's this program for me is about having a spiritual awakening. That's it, period. And with the spiritual awakening, what manifests from that? Um, health, physical health, emotional health will manifest from that. If I focus on the emotional and physical health first, for me at the expense of having the spiritual experience, so uh, you know, going to meetings, picking up the tools, and just working, 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 controlling, 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 then what I found in my life is I won't have the spiritual experience. That comes from um, connecting to a power greater than myself through my powerlessness. And once, I, and it doesn't, it's not a matter of time. It's not years um, having to go through that process. And I think oftentimes what I've seen in, in the rooms of OA is this notion of working harder and picking up the tools, doing it more, getting to more meetings and so forth. And, and I thought, you know, because I'm a hard worker, I thought that that was what it would, you know, if, if 90 meetings in 90 days or whatever it is. And, and that's great if, you're ha- if as a result you're having that spiritual awakening. If you're not, uh, what I found for me is that I had to begin to work with a sponsor that understood the fundamentals of the big book in order to have that spiritual awakening. If it was about simply a food plan, then I would never have that. And I could, and there are people in the rooms, maybe even on this call, that have been part of this program for many years and just haven't had that spiritual awakening, so they continue to struggle. Um, So anyways, that's my thoughts on this, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. This is Victoria. I'd like to comment briefly on what was read. The passage that I so love here is what seemed at first a flimsy read has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. Like the big book says, when I came into the rooms, I was badly beaten. And I had completely lost any trust in myself or anything else I'd tried, almost anything I could imagine to help me climb out of what had become a hell on earth. In the beginning, it was my my powerlessness that allowed me to connect with this power. But it was a flimsy read. It was untried. It was untested. It was new. And my trust in the beginning, was just enough to make me willing to follow what was passed on to me, that solution. Over time, that became clearly 
the hand of a higher power that was doing for me what I never could have done for myself. And when that became very clear, when I recognized it was no longer a flimsy reed, was the many months which culminated in my having reached my goal weight. And I had packed up many bags of clothing which spanned 10 different sizes. And I was going to put them in the basement. I was going to move all these bags of clothing to the basement. And someone in my fellowship said to me, you won't need them again. And it was a turning point moment. I asked myself, do I believe that I won't need them again? And it was at that moment that I searched myself to discern whether what I was experiencing had become more than a flimsy reed, and I recognized that it had. It had become that loving and powerful hand of a higher power that I could not see, I could not hear in a language I recognized, but who was bringing about profound changes in my life and giving me a freedom I'd never known. With that, I pass. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? I'm going to step in here. This is Melanie, and um, in, um, invite anyone else again that might be interested in sharing on that last paragraph that was just read. And, Victoria, I just wanted to say that you are still here. Hi, this is Jen from California. Hi, Jen. Go ahead. Hello. Good good morning. My name is Jen, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I can still relate to this. Um, Being the good church member, being the good girl, um, and this this hope being destroyed by the doctor telling him that his religious convictions were very good, in this case, they did not the necessary vital spiritual experience and this was this was my experience sitting in in church for all those years and having a love for my higher power but not having the power flowing through my life and it wasn't until uh, the steps uh, and practicing the steps in my life where that profound change sufficient to bring about a personality change, a change in my thinking, um, which changed my actions, occurred. And um, first I had to um, 
put all the food down that was causing me to stumble. And I had a resistance to doing that. Um, I wanted to do things my own way, and I wanted certain things in my in my food plan that were messing me up. But when those got down and then I started to work the steps, after that, uh, there was a profound change. And, you know, I've been in the room since 94, but it's only been in the last four and a half years that I've experienced this. this it, it feels sudden, but really over time it's been really gradual because I've been in the program for so long. But I can see the difference in my thinking. And what it is today is about the next right thought and the next right action. So when I get stuck today, I can pause and say, okay, what's the next, what's the next thing? And this has occurred in my relationships. I have different thinking when I get stuck um, in my relationship with my husband. I, I will have thoughts like, well, how, how important is this really? Um, and the priority for people and that relationship and that connection is more important to me today than being right. And that has profoundly changed my thinking in my life. What is good for everybody involved? And with my work relationship, I found that I have this, this new motivation to leave things better then I found them. And that's how I can tell that there's been a change in my thinking um, because that wasn't necessarily what I was thinking before. And I'm very aware of it today. And then with my relationship with myself and with God, I'm, I am trying, I'm not trying to figure things out like I used to to suit me. And I get myself in these mental spins, like trying to figure things out. And today I get to just ask, what's the next right thought? And I'll check in with, with my God. What's the next right action? How can I be of maximum service? I have these thoughts. How can I be of service today rather than what's best for me? What's best for everyone? Um, and that is living by the principles and uh, laid out in particular in step 11, thought to prayer and meditation to improve uh, my conscious contact with God, praying only for the knowledge of his will and the power to carry it out. These are new thoughts for me uh, relatively um, in this spiritual journey. And furthermore, the the one that I love um, that has given me so much peace is when things happen, uh, you know, things are happening at, at work. I don't like what's happening with my schedule. And I will have brief moments of, oh, oh, no, and anxiety, and then I realize the choice that I have, and that is the change and the alteration in my personality is I go to, I trust you, God, much quicker. Okay, I don't like that, but, oh, that's scary. Uh, financial security, oh, wait, but I trust you, God. And um, I know that you're unfolding it the way it's supposed to go, and I don't like it, but... I know you have something for me and you're providing and it's it's okay. I have what I need today and I can go back to gratitude for what I do have and um, have definitely experienced a moving forward in particular in the last 
year, it's been extremely apparent to me, um, you know, having a um, career change and uh, just having so much more joy in everyday living, um, uh, not dependent on what's happening in my life or um, what other people are doing. So thank you for letting me share. Good to be with you this morning. Thank you, Thank you, Jen. Thank you for your sharing. This is Victoria. I am back on the line, unfortunately. Uh, my phone cut out in the middle of my last share, but I am back. Thank you, Melanie, for stepping in. Would anyone else like to share on what was read this last paragraph? Um, Victoria, I just want to indicate that you are still live. We can still hear. Okay, good. Well, in that case, let's move on to the next paragraph. Eddie, would you please read the paragraph beginning with the distinguished American psychologist? Good morning. This is Eddie in Virginia, uh, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Happy to be here this morning. The distinguished American psychologist William James in this book, in his book, Varieties of Religious Experience, indicates a multitude of ways in which men have discovered God. We have no desire to convince anyone that there is only one way by which faith can be acquired. If what we have learned and felt and seen means anything at all, it means that all of us, whatever our race, creed, or color, are the children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. Those having religious affiliations will find here nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. There is no friction among us over such matters. Um, I I guess that for me, um, having uh, been uh, raised in a faith which I've practiced to some degree of intensity most of my life. There were times, of course, when I went uh, because I was supposed to go, uh, because it was better for my daughter and our image as a family if I did go. But, um, you know, I've I've been, you know, raised in this faith. My mother was a very faithful practitioner. Um, But most of the time in my adult life, I think that I went because somebody expected me to go, or as I said to my husband at once, at one point in time, I'm afraid not to go, because what if I was wrong and there really was a God? So, um, you know, this uh, Varieties of Religious Experience is, um, I'm sure, common for many of us in the rooms, but, um, you know, my my real uh, experience with uh, the God of my understanding um, came after I came into the rooms. Um, and it came to me over a period of time. It was not the blinding flash that, um, you know, that Bill experienced, um, but it came to me over a period of time. And it's still coming to me. You know, there are there are things that I, you know, I still uh, look at, and and one day I'll say, oh, that's different, you know, because I I experience different things, you know, now on a daily basis or however in my life, you know, things change, and my view of, you know, life changes. Uh, but um, 
my experiences uh, with uh, the God of my understanding um, have certainly become much more important in my life than they were before I came into the rooms and um, have become a vital portion of my life, I should say, um, uh, now that I understand this power um, that he wields in my life if I let him. Um, and there are several things going on in my life right now that, um, as someone was sharing earlier, I'm not happy about um, and I have concerns over. Uh, but I realized today that, um, you know, we were just talking earlier about God is everything or God is nothing, that when I attempt to change things and control things, then God becomes nothing in my life because I'm the power, the driving force. When I, when I say to him, as I did this morning when I prayed, um, please grant me acceptance today and understanding. Uh, open my mind and my heart to hear and see your will for me this day that um, I am letting him, you know, do what needs to be done, that I am accepting the fact that I understand, that, you know, he will uh, do what, ha what, what is supposed to be um, in my life and that uh, he will grant me the strength um, to get through this. And it will all come out as it's supposed to come out in the end uh, for the better, um, you know, betterment of not only my life but those people that are involved um, in this with me. So um, today I'm grateful that I can see that, uh, that I'm not banging my head against the wall and, you know, the wailing of teeth and the gnashing of teeth and the wailing that goes on sometimes uh, when things don't go my way or when I become frightened, the fear that takes over, because then God is nothing too. When the fear is my primary emotion, emotion in my day, then God is nothing because I don't believe that he can do anything for me. Um, so today I'm I'm happy uh, to know that um, that power is there for me, uh, that God is everything um, in my life, and that he will get me through this. Um, you know, some, somebody said to me, it's not that God doesn't give you what you can't handle. He, he helps you handle what is given to you. And uh, there's, there's the crux of it, you know. There's the, the thing I need to remember, that, you know, bad things happen in my life just because I'm in program. It doesn't mean that, you know, life will never have ups and downs if they do. It, it comes every day. But that God will help me handle this if I let him do that and I open myself to um, the power that flows through me when I open myself to him. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for your share, Eddie. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, will you please read A Vision for You? This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Happy and gladly to do that. A book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you into us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us 
as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.